recovering. It's about getting back to who we really are and what we're really here for. Give me your strength and show me your weakness. We're in this together now. We're in this together now. Welcome back to another episode of Recovering. I'm your host, Jennifer Dawn Watts. And I am talking today about loneliness and it's a pretty heavy topic. It seems like it is. Um, but I, I'm so excited actually to tell you what happened in my life recently around this topic because it was, um, it was a big shift for me. Sometimes we have these smaller shifts in life, but it felt like almost like my head was picked up and then like turned and set back down again, that like brain blowing up emoji, that one. Um, so yeah, I'm just hoping to share it with you in case there's something in there for you. I think especially with COVID and quarantine, um, and just like it's epidemic, it, it was really bad before COVID, but then now with quarantine and everything, um, people are just really struggling. So it feels like a relevant topic. Um, in that way. But also just because I think, yeah, even before that people are in relationships and they're lonely. People are out of relationships and they're lonely. People have friends and they're still lonely. So I feel like it's worth having a talk about. And I would love if you contribute to the conversation, you can reach out to me on Twitter, twitter.com forward slash Jen Watts, J E N N W A T T S. And put a comment out there about this topic and what you think about it. Um, I don't know everything. And I think the greatest thing about 12 step recovery for me, one of the best was I remember when my sponsor taught me that I can only share from my own experience. So I'm not telling you what to do. I don't have to be an expert. I can only share from my own experience And that's not threatening, right? Because you're free to take what you need and leave the rest. And so all of us can do that. All of us have had our own life experiences. We see things in a certain way. Um, We find growth in different areas. And we're in different places in our stages of growth. So something that might be really meaningful to me today may not connect with everyone. But I'm hoping that you just have a little piece, something that you can take with you in the journey. And I like to have fun. I, I hope you can tell that by now. And I feel like some of these topics are, I don't know, just a little heavy, like deep. I think it's going to be hard for our psyche to process some of the stuff. And so um, I wanted to play you my new favorite song. You didn't see that coming, did you? Um, I think this song is so hilarious, personally. I mean, it's not, okay, you know, whenever somebody says it's a really funny joke and then it's not that funny, I probably just blew it. Okay. It's not so hilarious. It's fine. This song is fine. Um, but I I was trying to think of how I could include it in this episode. And there's just, I don't know if there's a way, I don't think that there is a way. However, (laughs) there may be a way, um, because it's about showing love to your haters which hey is very Jesus-y. I never thought about that till right at this moment, but Jesus says to love your enemies. So there you go. That's how it fits in. But the other thing that I was thinking about is how when I have to do, not have to, when I choose to do this new work in the world and when I choose to be real and express myself in a more public way, because that's the difference about how I see recovery or about Q faith meetings, um, is originally the 12 step movement was based on addictions only. And it was, uh, 
confidential, like uh, anonymous. You, you couldn't, you didn't share. It was very, very private. And I think that has to do with shame. And so for me, I don't think it has to be anonymous. I can say that I go to Q Faith Community or I'm recovering, but also it's a broader movement of recovering who we really are and getting back to our true selves and our true purpose. And so it doesn't have to be this kind of shameful thing or something that we're hiding. Of course, we all have the right to privacy, right? There's certain things that I share at a meeting that I want to stay at a meeting, um, because that's my choice if I want to share my story. But I just think that there's 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 less shame around what we're doing. And so part of me coming out of my shell and not just staying in the therapy office and kind of hiding behind that has been accepting that some people are not going to like what I have to say. And that happened to me when I came out as LGBTQ affirming. As a Christian, I lost a lot of friends. Um, I remember telling the moms group at the from the Christian school and like you could just, I mean crickets, right? Like (laughs) I was like the pariah of the group. I felt like it was my own coming out party actually when I started to come out as LGBTQ affirming, which I don't want to minimize what that is like for people. Uh, But I just am trying to say that when we become real, some people aren't going to like it. Okay. So this is a great song that we can sing on our way to work uh, to our haters. Hi, this is Jessica. I'm Jennifer's producer. As much as I would love to include this song, it's my job to make sure we don't get sued for copyright infringement. So if you want to be able to jam along, check out Chameleon Air's Good Morning or click the link in the program notes. So we're just going to wave to the haters. Good morning. It's all good. Um, so back to loneliness. <laughs> Let's drop it down deep. <laughs> just from light to deep. You know, that's how I roll. Uh So loneliness is something that is epidemic. It is killing people, in my opinion. And we talked about it before in terms of wanting this fellowship and this nourishment for our souls. And I think it comes through intimacy. I think it's spiritual intimacy. And there is a quote by Ken Page that says, intimacy is our oxygen. And so I think that's what we're missing when we feel lonely. I think we're relational and we're meant to be in relationship with people. I also think it has something to do with being connected into ourselves because even like with that song that I love, when I'm dancing around singing that, I don't feel lonely. I just don't. And there's nobody around and I'm not in a relationship, even though I'd like to be, which most people know, Um, but I'm trying not to be needy and desperate. I'm pretty sure that my needs are met and I'm not desperate or else I would have settled. Um, But it's just a desire in my life. It's something that I'd like. And so even not having that and not even being around my very good friends and my kids are at school, um, I can still feel connected. And so I think it's about being connected within ourselves to ourselves uh, being sharing intimacy at some points with people. And also I think it's something about that flow, like our higher power and that love flowing through us. That is also critical to not feeling lonely. And I had this revolutionary kind of moment recently around loneliness because I feel like from the point when I started growing up, when I was an only child, I feel like I probably have struggled. Like I feel, I felt like the loneliest kid and I feel like this has been a struggle most of my life. And it feels like something that I've been running away from. And it's a struggle because 
for me in particular, I find that certain people are drawn to me because I have a particular energy or I have particular skills and then they sort of latch onto me, but that doesn't help, right? That's more like being used. And so it's hard for me to find the right people that I feel like it's mutually beneficial and there's that real connection. And so I have certain boundaries to prevent that other stuff. And so it's, yeah, it's just been tricky. I felt like I've had to accept a certain amount of loneliness as part of this path. I see, um, people with prophetic gifts in the Bible, which interestingly prophecy is not about telling the future necessarily people with gifts of prophecy biblically are people who speak into a situation and they often have something to say that is not what people want to hear. Like it's not the standard or the cultural norm and it pisses people off basically. So that's one of my gifts. Uh, when I say that I'm LGBTQ affirming, uh, not everybody likes that. And so, um, and there's, there's a lot of other stuff. And so, yeah, there's something about, um, I just thought I had to accept it. Uh, Jesus kind of seems like on a lonely path sometimes and his disciples aren't necessarily getting it. Um, and so, and I've also felt like it's something I've tried to get away from or need to get away from or feeling I didn't want to have. And so what, what happened recently was it starts with addiction. So I have tons of addictions. I totally belong in like every program. I think at some point I'm going to have to do 12 step for 12 step because I'm so addicted to 12 step, but I have issues with food. That's my number one, I think area, maybe codependency, but food I think is my addiction of choice. And I was struggling with that in my recovery because they say that, um, OA, which is Overeaters Anonymous, is like the PhD of recovery. Because most recovery, if it's like gambling or drugs or alcohol, you put the tiger in the cage, you lock the door, and you throw away the key. You just never drink again, right? Whereas with OA, I mean, you still have to eat, right? And so they say that you have to walk the tiger at least three times a day. Uh, so it's just a different experience. And so for me, it's definitely been harder. And I've, I've been, I've had times of abstinence, like perfect abstinence where I'm eating my three meals a day and two snacks or whatever my defined abstinence is, they let you define it. But there was something that felt still felt kind of like ego or control or like a diet or something about it. it just didn't feel right. And it didn't seem like the healthiest people that were like leading me in that direction. So I'm just still figuring it out. And part of me figuring it out has been still having times of using. And so for me at the end of the day, one of my coping mechanisms has been for a very long time. And, and was when I was a kid is eating and watching TV that I can numb out like nothing else. Like if somebody said to me, do you want some pot or do you want some booze or you can eat and watch TV? I'd be like, Oh, totally the last one. And so I was really in that habit. I was getting pretty entrenched and I have all my own excuses, right? Everything that is our thing that we use to cope, we can give the best reasons why we need that. And most people will say, yeah, you do need that, whatever that is. And so it's our stress relief or it's our coping mechanism, or we could be doing worse things, right? All of that. And it's not that that's bad. I didn't want to stop it because it's bad or I'm a bad person, I wanted to stop it because it felt like kind of a chain around my leg. Like I used to be a smoker and there were points where I didn't want to have to smoke, but I'd have to go out on a smoke break because I had to, like I didn't have a choice anymore. And so that's what I was feeling like in the season of my life with the food. 
And um, so I am in this really small group. It's called an LTG, a life transformation group. They're smaller groups than the Q faith groups. And there are three of us. And we, I talked to them about accountability. And I said, I'd love to be held accountable to this. Like I'd love to have some support. I guess basically the group has a sponsor. But I said, I don't know if that's going to work. Because I said most accountability groups. Now, if anyone's listening that has been in an accountability group, usually growing up in the church, it's guys for porn. That's what they want to be held accountable, not to use. And then they get into an accountability group and it never works, right? Every guy just shows up. They're like, oh, I did it again, man. Oh, me too, bro. You know, and it never works. And so I was like, I don't want to be in that kind of accountability group. And the two guys who were in my group were dying laughing. They were like, how do you know that's what the groups were like? I'm like, I have enough friends. I know. And so my one friend said what really worked for them was to have a fine, like a pay, like you have to pay if you use and so I was like, oh, that's fantastic. I want to do a, I want to find, because uh, then I was extra motivation. It's like basic behavioral psychology. So yes, the steps are helpful. And yes, I'm working the steps, but why not add a fine in there as well? And so I uh, chose 50 bucks <laughs> because I, I was like, you know what, for 20 bucks, I'll just do it anyway. Right. I don't even care. So I picked 50 bucks and uh, I was going to have to give money to the you know charity of my choice and tell someone why I'm giving the money. So I was like, okay, that's enough of a punisher, you know, uh, for me not to do it. And so I stopped eating and watching TV and I stopped for about a week and then something happened. So there was this lady who used to be in, well, she, she probably still is in 12 step, but I remember when she used to say, this was her step one talk, basically. It was, do you want to know why you drink? Stop. You'll find out. Which is <laughs> so good. Do you want to know why you drink? Stop. You'll find out. So do you want to know why you eat and watch TV every night? Stop. You'll find out, Jen. <laughs> and so probably about a week later, the pain that hit me, oh my word, like, whoa, like I was medicating some very deep and it was this loneliness. And I, I just, that's how I got through it. And that's how I got through it, you know, probably after my divorce. And I was used to having someone sleep next to me, watch shows together. And I don't do that. I don't have guys sleep over or anything like that. So it's been a pretty like rough road for, I think I've been divorced now six years. And so yeah, I just, man, I was stuffing some pain. And so it was about two days and it, yeah, it's these real feelings and real feelings. They hurt like hell. Right. And that's why we do everything we can to avoid them. Um, and then after these two days, I, I mean, I couldn't even talk to people. Like I just have tears coming out of my eyes. It was crazy. Um, and, but it was just, I was just grieving. I was in pain. And so, um, I, after those two days, I, sh I shared, I for sure shared, because that's a big thing about 12-step. You pick up the phone. You don't have to go through the stuff on your own. But there's nothing anyone can really do for you if you're in, if you're willing to face that pain and you're willing to do that grief work. It's You just got to walk through it, you know, and I didn't know when it was going to end. That's the longest I've been in that amount of pain. Whew, that was a biggie. But the gifts on the other side. Okay, so I, after that, I don't know what happened. But I had this epiphany, like it's like the pain passed through. And then I had this epiphany of like, what if I didn't have my loneliness? Like, what if that was gone? What if that was taken out of my life? 
And I started to think about how so helpful it's been in my life, like the gifts that I've gotten and the connections that I've made. I don't even think Q faith would exist, to be honest with you. And so people meet now every week and gather and connect and build community around these sacred values because I'm so fucking lonely. Like that's kind of cool in a way. Do you know what I mean? Like that's like a, okay, there, there's something really valuable there. And the friends that I have and the friends I've kept in touch with in so many different places, I'll go to different cities and I just have a really good friend there because I've kept in touch because I needed that relationship. Um, because I didn't grow up with siblings. So those friends are like my brothers and sisters and, um, and just the parties I've been able to enjoy and the crazy connections. Like one time I remember there was this guy when I was traveling in Australia and we just listened to matchbox 20, um, each had an earphone and it was like profound, the connection and it, we, nothing else happened, but it was like this real spiritual connection. And I wouldn't have picked up the headphone. I don't think I would have done the things that led to that connection if I wasn't longing for that so much. And so I just, it was like my life kind of passed before my eyes in a certain type of way, not super dramatic. I didn't see a movie or anything, but I just started to see, oh, wow. Like this is this holy sacred gift that has been given to me, that has been the gas and the driver, um, in, in so many areas of my life and what would happen if I didn't have it. So that was like mind blowing. So then I just thought, man, I just want to get like a ring or something. Sometimes I'll get a physical thing or I'll take a picture or something and put it as my screensaver on my phone. I don't want to forget this stuff because they say that part of this spiritual malady is a disease of forgetting. I don't want to forget. So I wanted to get a ring or something, which I still haven't gotten, but I picture it. So I think I'm going to find it along the way, like a little treasure to represent this loneliness that I carry with me. And so then as I wanted to carry it with me and I didn't want to let it go and I wanted whatever gifts it's still yet to bring me and yet to bring others, like even right now, this us connecting this podcast, I think this is about my longing to connect and my longing to find my tribe and to belong and to create community. Um, so, and just, and the pain that I felt part of the reason why I really want to give this to you. And I want to give you my best is because I know what it's like to suffer. And I don't like the idea of you suffering if there's something I can give you. And by the grace of God, I can give some of the stuff away for free now, which is awesome. So I just want to give it away. And it keeps me well by giving it away. That's a big 12-step principle. So I thought about taking this loneliness along with me and having it represented by a ring or something like that. And then I thought, oh, now that I'm welcoming it along on the journey, like now that I want it, it's just not there. Like I just don't feel it in the same way. So there's this profound thing in psychology that I figured out with anxiety disorders. I worked with my first four years I was in practice. I worked with people who had um, really severe anxiety disorders, and um, part of the problem was they had really severe hypochondria and panic disorder, etc. But the hypochondria cases, they would get symptoms because your body, it's your nervous system that's overstimulated, so you'll get all kinds of symptoms. And they would become convinced that they were sick. 
And so they'd be looking stuff up on the internet and, and like Dr. Google. And it was just, a, it was a nightmare. Cause then the more that you feel like you have something, the more anxiety you get, the more symptoms you get, it's like an endless cycle. And so I realized that the more afraid my clients were of that symptom, the more they would get it and the longer it would last. And so I really loved this idea of like an annoying neighbor, kind of like Steve Urkel or something. I, I don't know, maybe I'm dating myself. Maybe you don't know who that is, but there was this, you know, kind of nerdy boy um, with glasses and hiked his pants up high. And he was this annoying neighbor that this family had and he would just show up and, you know, et cetera. So, but he'd always go home. And so I think that with symptoms for my clients, when they realize that they're annoying, but they're not harmful, they were able to welcome it along on their day and go, okay, you're allowed to come along for the ride, but I'm still going to do my work and I'm still going to do some ironing and whatever, but you can come and just realizing that eventually the annoying neighbor is going to go home. He's going to get hungry. He's going to have to go to the bathroom, whatever. And so just that shift, it was profound how people had less symptoms as they practice that. And as long as they'd be practicing it just to get rid of the annoying neighbor, it wouldn't work. They truly had to welcome it. It was true, like radical acceptance. And so I had this radical acceptance for my loneliness. And then I just like, wasn't feeling it in the same way. It wasn't as strong. It wasn't kind of there with me. And it reminded me of, um, this, uh, book, uh, the road less traveled Scott Peck I think he starts it off with something like life is difficult. I think that's the sentence that starts. Life is difficult. And it says something about this is one of the great truths because when we accept this truth, we can transcend it, which is like, that's that same uh, emoji with the mind blowing. So there's something about when you accept life as difficult, it becomes less difficult, but you have to really be willing to accept it. And so, yeah, there is this really strange paradox with pain and what you accept in your life and what you're really fighting against is going to increase its strength against you. But if you take it with you, you may have a different experience of it. And so that's, that's what happened to me. And so I feel like, um, I wanted to share that with you one, because I think that loneliness is epidemic. And I think that we believe, I know I have believed, and I think this is part of the lie, that other people hold the keys to fixing that. That if I just had the right community, if I just had the right friends, of course, if I just had the right partner, if we just had the right relationship, if I just had the right mom, whatever those things are, um, that then, um, that then I would be okay, that I wouldn't feel that anymore, that it would be cured, that it'd be solved. And I just don't think that's true. And so um, I hope that this helps you break through the lie a little bit in that area. I hope that you don't feel that other people have what you need and they somehow have that power over you. Um, I hope that you can potentially look at other things in your life that are feelings that you don't want to feel. Maybe it is... um, a sensitivity, like maybe you're emotionally sensitive or something like that. But the more that you're afraid of crying or expressing it or whatever, you know, it might increase, it might gain strength, but the more that you can embrace that as your gifting and you're going to take it with you and take that real part of you along in the journey that it might evolve. Um, it reminds me of this. There was this really cool exercise in this book, uh, David Benner wrote called the gift of being yourself. Such a great title. Hey, I love that title. The gift of being yourself. And, um, which is kind of hilarious. I, okay. 
I'm totally just rogue here. I'm going to just tell you this joke because I really love it and it has to be yourself. So I was at this couples conference one time and the way that they started off is what is the worst marriage advice you've ever heard? Worst marriage advice. And so people were shouting out all these answers. It was like, you know, this, that, whatever, whatever the things were, right? Worst marriage advice. And then all of a sudden this guy shouts out, just be yourself. <laughs> Isn't that awesome? Okay. So he doesn't feel like just being himself is the greatest marriage advice. However, the title of the book that I love is called the gift of being yourself, uh, by David Benner. And one of his exercises is to imagine yourself at the last supper with Jesus, Jesus, as you understand him, by the way, so you can understand Jesus, however you want. You don't have to accept anyone else's notions of Jesus. And so you're at this last supper and the exercise is to envision, um, inviting all of these different parts of yourself to the table. Okay. So your sexual part of yourself, your addicted part of yourself, your super lonely part of yourself, your rageful part of yourself, like every single part, your joyful part of yourself, your party part of yourself, your kid part of yourself, all your parts, and just to invite them to the table to have dinner. And to sit in your own presence and to welcome all of these parts of yourself. And so that's what I think this experience has been like for me of just welcoming that part of my soul that I just for so long didn't love, you know, and didn't want to be and didn't want to experience and seeing it in a whole new light. So I hope that helps. Um, tell me what you think, tell me what you think about this. And, um, yeah, I wanted to end today with a quote. This quote means a lot to me. Um, it makes a lot of sense to me. And I, I feel that it captures some of what we're talking about because loneliness, I think sometimes we try to cure by attaching to people and by asking people to, meet certain needs and take care of us in certain ways and resolve some of our own psychological issues. And so this is a quote to consider. Richard Rohr, and I think it's in Breathing Underwater. And he says, the soul does not attach, nor does it hate. It desires, it loves, and it lets go. So I hope you hear something that keeps you coming back. Thanks for being here this week. Recovering is about listening. And it's also about remembering those out there that are just like us in spiritual need. So carry the message. You can write a review on iTunes. You can share this on Facebook or Twitter, or even text the link to a friend. To keep it, we have to give it away. Cause we're in this together now. Yeah, we're in this together now. Uh-huh.